0: Ethical and healthy dominance is where you're lifting the self-esteem of the submissive. So it's about her experience first. I know that kind of sounds like a lonely place to be as a dom, but once that happens, she rewards you in ways that you can't even comprehend
1: until you get there.
0: Welcome to
1: the Natural Lifestyles podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is The Natural Lifestyles Podcast. I'd like you first to introduce yourself and tell the crew a bit about who you are and what your experience is. Because uh, all they know is that I just kind of talk you up every time I mention you and say, this guy's crazy oh, and just you wait. <laughs> so I've been, I've been leading so, it to you. So yeah, give us an intro. Who the hell are you? So hello, everyone.
0: I am Sir Dominic, aka Dominic Sloan, aka the sexuality coach for The Naturals. Um, I've been a professional dom now, for over seven years, a men's coach for at least double that. Uh, I've been fascinated with sexuality my whole life, starting from about 17 when I went to my first kink party. So I've been on an odyssey, obviously I'm very obsessed with kink, but also we've been tantra, sex magic, sex healing. So there's a whole bunch of sexuality kind of disciplines revolving in my brain. So that's the short version um so i've been working for one of australia's top bdsm houses and i work with couples i work primarily with women do the coaching do the
1: whole thing can you um because when you say you know i work with couples and i and i you know work in a dungeon mm. <laughs> most guys have no idea oh, yeah. what that means like so can you yeah, could you I, talk I us through about that. talk us through like how does it work if a if a lady wants to you know, use your services, how would that usually go down and kind of talk us through a little bit about what a session, what a session might look like.
0: Yeah. So they hit my website, they get a bit of an understanding of what's on offer. There's a list of services and they reach out to me and they basically discuss what they're looking for. You know, some are married, some are not, there's a whole range of different reasons why they would come to see me, but primarily they're looking for a one-on-one experience with someone that's safe and you know, that they can trust the experience. So it's everything except full-blown sex. So I don't work as an escort, even though I am a sex worker. I don't have sex with them. I do everything except that. So, you know, kinks, banking, flogging, whatever, whatever that they're, you know, whatever their desires are. I basically shape an experience for them, usually about a minimum of an hour, roughly usually between two to three hours. So they're coming to me to experience kink in a professional setting in a dungeon. So what does a dungeon mean? So a dungeon means just a place space that's set up exactly for that experience. So it's full of specific equipment like spanking benches, there's a whole bunch of, you know, I could list equipment for the next two hours, but I won't. So there's a whole, it's all set up and it's themed for that experience. So it's, it's quite a special experience for them because a lot of them, I'd say about 60%, it's their first ever time. So. I'd say the vast majority of my role is introducing women and couples.
1: That's a different thing, but introducing people to kink has been pretty much the mainstay of what I do. And like when you say you work with mostly with women that haven't had experiences before, how are they getting this in their head head in the first place like if they're, oh, that's you know, an they're taking experience. they're taking a the jump from some they've got an idea right through to going into a dungeon with a stranger what what's going on? I guess, psychologically or what's leading women to kind of reach out to you, do you think?
0: Well, there's a bunch of different reasons. You know, it's like, as we'll probably get into, kink and the whole, you know, rough sex experience, it's very biologically and instinctually driven. So that usually they've had this deep yearning for as long as they can remember and they've never had an outlet. So that's one camp of women. The other women, uh, they've either got partners and their partners are not into it. So they're looking for an experience where they're guaranteed that the person that they're having experience with isn't going to mess up their personal
1: lives. So that's another reason. That's that's another camp. Right. So you mean a a woman is with or without her partner knowledge going to you because it's emotionally safe in the sense you're not going to get involved in their relationship and cause drama. You mean like that? Well, that's one of the main
0: concerns. Obviously, the other is, you know, hygiene, safety, someone that they can trust. Someone, you know, who's accountable, like it's not just that they've met me on Tinder and they'll never see me again. They, they can find me. So yeah. they feel a lot, They feel quite safe in that regard, mm-hmm. you know, because I've got like 64 pages of content on my website. It's not just something that a guy has set up as a ruse to, you know, get free body experiences out of. Yeah. So one of the other reasons is they don't want to go with a stranger. They want to have their first experience. They want to be safe. They want to know that that person is experienced. So, yeah, that's probably the the primary reasons for the the single for the when I do the one-on-one sessions with women. Mm -hmm. That's usually the main
1: reasons. I would assume that a lot of people in this chat have either never done any kink, or if they have, they've kind of just dabbled in a bit of spanking and a bit of bit of kind of impromptu um, kink. Usually. As we've seen when we when we run the sex god master class there's often a lot of initial mental resistance to the whole idea of it mm-hmm. at all because the misconception is often that that this is abusive or that like what what is the point of this in the first place like you remember when we had that client last class who was he was saying like because he'd signed up for this expensive course and he'd come along because he he, and he believed that it was useful and he believed us but he, but his kind of initial question was why are we doing this? Is this because (laughs) we do this to the woman and the woman just sort of puts up with it? And like he he didn't, he didn't really didn't, couldn't get his head around initially that this was for women, you know, that this was beneficial to them. I've I've certainly heard clients and, and people that I've talked to about kink in the past, like think that, okay, is this something that only people who are, you know, touched up by their uncle are into or people who are really like, have just gone so far off the deep end that they that they just need more and more extreme things because otherwise they can't feel anything anymore. Um, I think there's you know there's a quite a lot of misconceptions about what is the, what is kink and what is the purpose of it in the first place. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, you know why why kink? What's the why, why are we even doing this? I'll start
0: with what I believe my definition of kink is. So for me, it's everything that isn't just straight-up penetrative sex or oral sex in a vanilla context that is also interesting. So it's anything from, you know, impact, bondage, role plays. There's, there's, a, there's a whole myriad of experiences that you can have in a sexual context which isn't just vanilla sex. So for me, everything else outside of that is kink in some way.
1: So basically so, basically anything that's not like a British man just sort of wedged yeah. between the legs of his, of his wife going, yes... Think of England, dear. She's like, Is this <laughs> kink? Oh, no, this is not kink. Anything else is.
0: I'm done. If he was, if he was wearing a penguin suit, you know, when, and that was it his would thing, be it probably is, yeah. That's, so, that's, the, that sounds hotter, yeah, penguin suit. So, so, the thing that I want to add to the definition of what kink is, is that this is my classic story. I've been at many dinner parties and people go, What do you do? And I say, do you want the real answer or do you want the fake answer? And everyone's like, of course we want the real answer. Mm. And I say, well, I beat women for cash. And they <laughs> asked me to do these things. <laughs> and then they go, oh, my God. And then everyone has a panic attack. And then I do my little survey of like, who here has ever been spanked before during sex and enjoyed it? And, you know, all the women's hands go up. And then 10 seconds ago, they were like, they were dissing it. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a public, uh, the, the conception out in the you know
1: mainstream world or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. there's a conception of what kink is and then what it actually is. And it's anything that's interesting. So um, the vast majority of people have experienced it even if they don't identify with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure a lot of the guys here, they'll go, I'm not kinky. But then, you know, we'll, we'll examine their sex life and they're doing kink virtually Eighty percent of the time.
1: I think everyone so, here is certainly curious. That's why you know that's why we sure. have seventy-three people on here right now. They're all definitely interested. But I, I guess what, what I want to kind of dispel is some of the myths around like right, it being yeah. it being um, abusive or it being you know domineering. Like because will get, get into that definitely. Uh-huh.
0: So there is there is definitely a fine line between what's fun and what's abusive. So the first and foremost point is is it consensual is and not just consensual is there informed consent so Mm -hmm. informed consent is a concept which did come out of the kink world thank you to the kink world which is kind of bleeding over to the vanilla world so informed consent means everyone is aware of the risks what's involved what are the responsibilities um you know there's clear communication and everyone's on the same page So as long as you're doing that, that's a very good start to not be domineering and just being ethically dominant. So that's definitely one start. The the second, now, this is where it gets a little bit of a gray area, is what's abusive and what's not. Especially when you're playing with force and impact and, you know, pretty hard welts. Violence. Yeah, (sighs) well, eroticized aggression. How about that? I don't like the word violence. Mm-hmm. yeah so the way that i frame it, it's a rather sized aggression because the dominant is pushing so there is a fine line it's very hard to define it's something that over time i get from a feeling a felt sense you know if you, if it was if i was to write it on paper it's very hard so i would say what is abusive when it comes to the bedroom antics is something that obviously is if the woman feels, or you know, I'm, I'm guessing I'm speaking of guys here. So we'll, we'll, every time I say the woman, it means the submissive. Obviously, if she's coerced or she's not feeling it and she's doing it out of a place of like to keep the man happy, that actually gets along to the sides, of, along to the side of abusive. And as well as anything that's done with uh, backed by fear or threat, or whatever. Sort of yeah, threat. That was the word I was looking for. So. That's the kind of, def- the clear definition of the difference between dominance and domineering is using a threat and-, and the woman is doing it from a place of fear instead of doing it from a place of like joy and of giving and receiving. So the pleasure pain concept. Can you talk about this notion of pleasure and pain? I feel like there be things to know there. So as far as my research has concluded, pleasure and pain are just experiences interpreted by the brain. And the pleasure and pain center of the brain are literally cousins. They, they go along the same pathways of the body. So that's why a lot of people find pain pleasurable. And see, I don't even want to say pain because it's a very strong word. Because when we hear pain as a concept, as a word, we all like, oh, it's, this, it's, unple- it's an it's unpleasant this thing you don't want. Yeah. So how about we just change it from instead of pleasure and pain to pleasure and sensation that isn't automatically interpreted as pleasure by the average person? Now, the thing that you touched on before was endorphins. So when you start to spank someone or whether it be a girl, you get hit yourself, the skin starts to go red. So that's the body saying there's a trauma here. There's some trauma here. And then that gets interpreted by the brain as being pleasurable. For a masochist, they would love it completely. Or most girls can handle the, the heavier sensation that isn't say straight out painful. Um, so the body then goes, okay, there's something here. We need to send blood there because there's a trauma. So we need to send white blood cells down there. So that's why the skin gets red when you're inflicting pain, inverted commas. And that is also a signal to the brain to send endorphins. So endorphins are the chemicals in the brain, which allows us to cope with painful sensations in an eroticized fashion pleasure and pain explodes their brains, something shocking. Most, I'd say 90, 95% of girls that I've played with don't take extreme pain. They don't take canes or anything like that. Most will take spanking and specifically the floggers that I make. Um, They take those quite easily because it's, yes, it's, it's not as pleasurable as say having a feather over their skin, but it's a sensation that turns them on like it, it it makes them come alive it sends electricity through their nervous system there's a whole bunch of different reactions that are going on mixing it with the pleasure aspect because they're so close to each other it kind of sends like an overload to the brain and it ends in orgasm usually we'll not I do it anyways so pain let's let's not use that word to say sensation it's exciting it's definitely bringing them into that point of stillness that you mentioned before, how they, they, there is nothing more in that moment except the sensation. So there is kind of like these little mini um, moments of enlightenment. Really, moments. Where, yeah. yeah their actions. It is a moment of Zen or enlightenment in that precise moment. they focus completely there their mind is still there's no monkey brain going on there's no thoughts about if they've left the fucking iron on or you know nothing like that they're fully in that (laughs) present moment i'm unified with all the universe if you can skillfully do you know transverse the pleasure and pain um dichotomy you will be one percent of the one percent because the vast majority of men don't know how to do it properly
1: the one percent of the one percent. <laughs> so let's let's talk about choking, right? So choking is one of the things that a lot of women, extremely a lot of lads, mostly many women like. Uh, it's all the rage. Everyone's heard about it on the internet now. So it is something that a lot of women want. Uh, it is dangerous, of course, because you are squeezing someone's neck, and you could theoretically fucking damage or kill them. So. Oh, yeah. I'm giving disclaimers here that this is not a choking class that I'm doing right now. When we do Sex God Masterclass, we do choking classes where the guys practice on each other first, then we practice on the women. Uh, you, you feel what it's like to be choked yourself. So this is just for educational. This is just for entertainment purposes, what I'm explaining. It's not a, an official class. So please don't go out and think you know exactly everything from what I've said. But the most important thing... I would say is that you understand you're never putting pressure on the front of the throat. And you may think you're not because sometimes when you're squeezing on the sides, you will actually still be applying pressure in the middle of the hand and pushing onto the, where the Adam's apple is for the for men. So that's the most important thing is that we're not, we are no there should be zero pressure. In fact, I will keep like a millimeter or two space between the skin of my, of my webbing of my hand and the neck just to be sure right? So that's the first thing because you can crush someone's windpipe and, and it feels really horrible. I mean, try that. If you press on the front of your throat a bit, it doesn't feel nice at all. So what you're doing is you're actually applying pressure to the blood vessels. You're, the idea is that you're cutting blood to the brain, not oxygen, because when when you choke someone correctly, like I'm actually choking myself now, my face will go a bit red as I start to lose blood flow, but I can still I can still breathe, right? So I'm not putting pressure on the windpipe in any way, I'm starting to compress the arteries, and I don't, can't remember what they're called, so someone can tell me, uh, on the sides. So if you see the v, v shape here, what I'm doing is I'm actually applying a clamp, not, not gripping with my fingers, because if I do that, that's actually not choking at all, that's grabbing by the neck muscles. And I can do that, I can grab someone by the, basically the back of the neck, here with it with a clamp and that's i can control it like that that's not a choke that's me gripping into the muscle i definitely don't ever want to be gripping in with the fingertips into the windpipe or into the blood vessels either so what i'm doing is this is this clamp motion and i need to be really conscious and really aware when i do this that i'm putting even pressure on both sides as opposed to one being one which is Common if you're not paying attention, is you're putting too much pressure on one side and it's uncomfortable on one side and then not supported on the other. So there is this real sense of like they're both clamping at the same speed. And take it lightly at first. You will be surprised once you start, if you become decent at choking, that you'll get things where girls will grab your hand and fucking push it harder than you think you should go, Uh, which at first can be pretty scary because you're like, fuck, she's a delicate thing. I'm going to break her. But If you do it correctly, they can take a a good amount of pressure. Some girls will want you to knock them out. I won't go that far. I I will take it to the point where I see pink, her face going pink, and her getting a little glazed look in the eyes. That's about where I'm going to take it because that's where she's starting to get a bit lightheaded from lack of oxygen. But I'm not going to... Some girls would, would prefer if I just kept on going until she passed out. I think that's too dangerous. It's not worth the risk. So I just do it to there and then I'll hold it for uh and I, and I will only have done that if I've told her to tap me because a verbal cue might not work because she might be getting a bit difficult to speak, so I just say you know'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to choke you now or or I, I don't necessarily say I'm going to choke you I start doing it if I've get, gotten good responses and then I say tap me if it's too much right and then'll then I'll apply the pressure where I can feel that I'm compressing the blood vessels and then I hold it there and I'm usually fucking her at the same time uh, or pulling her hair or using a vibrator maybe, because it intensifies the what's going on for a pussy. Like w- women many times have said that, that that's the easiest way for them to come is being fucked or having a vibrator whilst being choked because it gets them out of their head, gets them totally into their body. There's there's this rush from this light asphyxiation and uh, it seems to be awesome for them. So there's some basics. You can do a two-handed one, but the two-handed is even more difficult. Um, but yeah so there's some there's some basics please please be careful with this please no pressure on the front please use good communication can be dangerous
0: as a general rule of thumb try not to do more than 10 to 12 seconds at the most when you're first starting like literally count to 10 and stop irrespective of if this is like your first experiences with it stop there get used to it before you go further in with it i wouldn't be doing it me personally i don't do it with girls i've just met especially first session maybe first session I'll do something very light and test the reaction more than anything um, but it's not something I generally go down too often I, I, do, I could actually link a if you guys want a link to a diagram and I can point out the different arteries what they do and stuff if you guys you want that of course they do there so, of course they do this is
1: a bunch of techy techie nerds that want to know nerdy okay. stuff.
0: we're all sex nerds so, you've got two points you can do the choke You've got, generally you aim for the carotid artery. So because uh, once that artery goes up towards near the jawbone, you'll see that it breaks off into two. So if you're only gripping one you don't have the other properly, it's, you're not going to get the effect they're looking for. So it goes down a bit and you'll see where the, you're basically trying to get between where it says carotid artery and the internal carotid artery. You see there's a junction point where they, the, the, they break out so you're trying to get that one for the maximum effect but please guys don't go more than 10 seconds at the start yeah yeah that's more and, and you know you'll see a lot of girls go i want to pass out and just just say i personally just say no i don't do that personally um i get them to a point I, when i start to see their eyes go a bit uh-huh, then i let it go instantly and then yeah. the thing is yeah. you can let, let it go count another 10 20 seconds and then you can go again because you're not cutting it, you're you're cutting a bit, then allowing, cutting a bit and allowing. So you can you can do it, you know, quite often if you're not going the full tilt to the point that they're passing out. It can be this thing that you do. Primarily, they they enjoy it more when they're orgasming. So you can do it without that. It still feels good. But the idea is to, you know, the, the most optimal time is around the, because essentially it's the same as in, in, they start to feel what, you feel when you have nitrous oxide or happy gas you know you're cutting oxygen to the blank the brain the brain starts to do its thing and everything starts to become heightened so check out that diagram and please no longer than 10 seconds like really stay safe with this out of every single activity this is the most riskiest one can get you in trouble the other side of it as well for a safety legal standpoint is that it can leave bruising around the neck right it's very hard to explain bruising <laughs> yeah it doesn't mean that's not a good look you, right you know she goes to the cops and says he tried to choke me and you say but she wanted it they're not going to believe you 90, 99 times out of 100 so be extremely careful with that yeah i can't emphasize it enough because i've seen some horror stories i've seen all the when people have died from asphyxiation and the thing is that what was James was saying is absolutely correct. When you're pushing forward, you're actually collapsing the esophagus. If that happens, who knows what? Can, she can end up dead. You're calling the ambulance straight away. So, you know. It's something to be
1: very, very careful. I can't emphasize it enough. Well, I think we've done our due diligence now. We've yeah. we now put I it try. out into the universe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Educational purpose, I don't agree on any of it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that was all just theoretical. We've never done it ourselves. Can you talk a little bit about the art of being a dom, what it's really like to be a dominant person? I feel like it's not just slapping and choking. Uh, okay. That would make a nice frame for what will be discussed next. So, yeah, that's that's cool. So, yeah, what is the, what's okay. the the felt sense or the experience like or what's what are the qualities that make a man dominant as opposed to just the technical things of hitting?
0: So first and foremost, BDSM kink is defined by these two words, power exchange. So I need to define this before we can get to that. So obviously, you know, the people that are involved, exchange power. The sub gives the DOM um the power to work within the parameters of what she's okay with. So the dominant, that's where he actually gets the dominant. He gets to move within the the parameters or the list of the activities she's open to. And then the DOM gives the sub the power to call the shots to a degree. So it is a paradox. So first and foremost, if you're not doing it from a place of this paradox, in my opinion, it's not healthy. That being said, you know, really complicated, intrinsic, very deep, DS which is dominant submissive or MS master slave relationships they can like push past this line but that's generally not the case with 98% of women in the world so we're not going to be discussing any of that today so the really intrinsic stuff we might be able to touch on it as themes, but generally we're sticking into the world of ethical DS so what's it like to be an ethical dom you are essentially a giver you're leading and giving at the same time, so the paradox is, is that you're surrendering to the limits and the boundaries that the sub dictates. So if you can't handle that, kink is not for you, in my opinion, anyways.
1: Yes, that's that's an important thing, isn't it? Because like I, I've I, I've seen that a little bit when I've gone to a couple of play parties and um, and when I've talked to girls about their experiences with guys who say they're DOMs that. Often it can be that a man is actually compens- overcompensating for his lack of confidence or his, you know, his insecurities, and so he learns a few kind of techniques and maybe he, you know, gets some of the the kit and then starts belting women in order to make himself feel powerful, uh, yes. as opposed to what you're talking about, which because I, I mean, I know you very well and I know you're an extremely empathetic person, and I've seen you, I've seen you do atrocious things to women in a consensual <laughs> space. <laughs> Uh, Dom does, Dom does demonstrations as part of the sex god masterclass here in this, in this house. And also I've been to some play parties where I've seen him work. And I mean, it's truly electrifying and terrifying to watch when, when you're oh. going full, full tilt, you know, you know, in a very good way. It like that's, makes you, that's a compliment. Oh. <laughs> um, but then the paradox being that, you know, I've, I've seen you work therapeutically with women as well. And just with your friends, like you're, you're certainly someone who's a, who's a giving person. And, and I'm, I, I think we've, we've talked about this before that there are certainly types of doms that are more on the sadistic side that, that they're, you know, it's, they get off on the, on the deliverance of pain and, and kind of selfishly taking. And there is a place where that can work too, because you can have a masochist who wants that and, and that, yes. that would be a more delicate kind of negotiation, but okay. There are certain dynamics where that, that can work, but you and I are both, you describe us as like tops, right? Like, or as well,
0: yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll describe that. I'll get to that in one second. There mm-hmm. is one point I did—I forgot to add. Ethical and healthy dominance is where you're lifting the self-esteem of the submissive. So it's, it's about her experience first. I know that kind of sounds like a lonely place to be as a dom, but once that happens, she rewards you in ways that you can't even comprehend until you get there. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're aiming to make it something healthy, you know, whether you're exploring trust or boundaries or even playing with fear, it doesn't matter. As long as the the intent and it's something that she can feel, not just hear with words because words are meaningless, as long as she can, if she can actually feel over the course of the experience of playing with her, that she's raised, that she's held, you know, within a non-judgmental space, all of the, all of the positive, um, healthy, conscious relating aspects come into this. As long as that is what's at the cornerstone of the experience, and that she's kind of—I know it sounds weird—but left better than when you found her. Then that's the cornerstone of ethical dominance in the way I like to play. Specifically, the people that don't do that, I kind of question them, and I think there's a bit of pathology as you've just touched on. There's other yeah. massive issues going in, whether it be insecurities or just misogyny, hating hating on women. While oh yeah, they destroy there's, their self-esteem. Know it can be complete there's psychopaths in the world you put a cane or a flogger in his hand and he's and a psychopath's happier than a pig in shit so you know it's it's not where i'd like to play thanks so much for listening to the natural lifestyles podcast check us out on youtube at the natural tv see you on the next episode